From realghoststoriesonline.com, I'm Tony Bruschi. Welcome to another edition of Real Ghost Stories, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever it may be. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, wherever you're finding us. And we're on some BlackBerry platform as well. I don't know what it's called, but we're there. So if you're uh, on any of the platforms listening to us, please press that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes of our program. And of course, share the show as well. If you do that, we have a bonus episode to give you. Just email me, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Show me a screenshot of where you shared the show, and I will uh, reply back to you personally with a link to that bonus episode of the show. Today, we're uh, doing the show, uh, I guess, a little bit different than, than we have in the past. Uh, I, I've added a co-host today. Hi. Hi, it's my wife, uh, Jenny Bruski, who's uh, going to be joining us, who also likes paranormal stuff, and uh, you finally listened to the show. I did. Um, this stuff scares me, so I finally broke down and listened to one of your shows. Now, it scares you, but you're interested in it. That's the thing. I'm interested in it because I believe it's real, but that's what scares me. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. I mean, I have the letters in front of me. I have uh, some of the calls ready to go. And uh, before we were doing the show, she was asking me, she's like, are they really scary letters? Are the, are the calls really scary? I said, I have no idea. I don't, I don't read these things or listen to the calls until we're actually doing the show. I, that's what kind of, to me, makes it a little more, I guess, live, if you will, and you get a little more, you know, natural reaction um, you know, from the stories themselves. As opposed to me sitting there and, you know, contemplating them for, for weeks. Sometimes I come back the following week and go, you know, I was thinking about that one thing. But but you have to understand, I'm like a five-year-old. The last thing in my mind before I go to bed is going to be what I dream about. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of folks listen to the show when they're going to bed, and they love it because it gives them nightmares, and they love nightmares. So They're sick like you. <laughs> Welcome. My wife thinks you're sick. <laughs> uh, I, 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 for me, when I have a, a nightmare, I can always tell when I'm dreaming. If I'm in a dream, I know I'm in a dream. And I can just kind of go crazy because I know I'm dreaming. Now, eventually, at one point, I'm going to be awake thinking I'm dreaming. I'm going to go crazy and I'll end up in jail somewhere. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but until then... Um, Anyway, it's a weird thing. I've always known when I was dreaming. So I I actually kind of, I've gotten to the point where I enjoy having weird ghostly dreams because I know it's all a dream and I can just kind of go and investigate them, the, the haunting and be a, a ghostbuster. And see, when I dream, everything is, it's in color. It's just like I'm really sure. there. The best part to me is when I wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that was not real. Oh, it's in color to me too. I just know I'm dreaming. It's not, I mean, I, do people dream in black and white? I mean... I've heard that some people do. I don't, I, I don't know. I When I was in high school, when I was taking French class there for a little while, I would speak French, but... When, when, in your dreams? In my dreams, I would, I would. That's just how like I, fluid sprint? No, French not or? fluent, but just the words that I knew. It was strange. Did you feel like, like you did not know English in those dreams or was it all... No, I think I used probably a mix of both, which is what mm -hmm. I used when I got through high school. <laughs> well, there you go. well uh, to kick off the uh, the show today, uh, we got a couple calls, we have a couple letters, and uh, I think we'll just kind of start it off with uh, with a caller uh, here on Real Ghost Stories Online. And if you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us, you can always write into us. Just go to our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Dot com. A phone number is up there as well. So let's go to our first caller. Hi, you're on the air. Greetings. My name is Christian. I am calling from central Pennsylvania, and I have a story concerning an EVP experience I had back in 2003, in uh, around January or so. I used to be a part of a ghost investigation group and would go with them to various places that were supposedly haunted and whatnot. It's interesting experiences, but one of these experiences... I personally will never forget, and it was what convinced me that there's something to this. A few weeks prior to an investigation we were going to be doing in a house, there had been a bad accident with a tow truck on an icy road, and the truck driver had died on the scene of the accident. His wife, who apparently believed in spiritual things of some kind, decided that she wanted to come to our next investigation and see if she could get in contact with her dead husband via the EVPs that we were known for. But at the last minute, she canceled, saying that her grief was too great and that she wasn't ready, which is quite understandable. So we went to the investigation. It wasn't very eventful, but 
There's one thing we later discovered that turned out to be quite eventful. In one of our MP3, our MP3s, I'm sorry, in one of our EVPs, which we did not hear at the time, but we heard later, after we asked one of our questions, I forget what it was now, an odd voice, quite loud, can be heard on the microcassette, which we were using at the time, and that voice said, where is Janet? Very much like that. The thing is, the tow truck driver's wife was named Janet. That is uh, one of the most interesting stories I have. I have a couple of other ones, but that's the one that that strikes me at this time. I hope that's interesting to you as well. Uh, I was going to write it in, but I wanted to do the Where is Janet? (laughs) Because it's pretty cool. So there you go. Where is Janet? That's pretty sentimental from a husband to a wife. Where is Janet? He was looking for something. I wonder what he was looking for. But that's interesting in that, that at the last minute she decided not to go. I wonder if she regrets not going uh, with that EVP. I wonder if they contacted her and told her what they heard. I wonder what Janet thought yeah. of that. I, I guess that would really make you kind of a believer about EVPs as far as if it's a conscious entity. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing with the EVPs is because you don't know sometimes if... Are they actually interacting with you? Are you hearing some sort of repetitive energy that's just saying the same things over and over? Or is this something that's actually there trying to go back and forth? And by the sounds of this, the fact that Janet didn't make it sounds like this is a conscious something that was right there that decided not to uh, you know, not to come along. And then it was upset. You know? yeah. It also makes you wonder, uh, how did he know that Janet wasn't coming along? It makes you wonder if he was what put the thought in her head that maybe that would be a good idea. Yeah. That's at least that's what I thought. Then you go into the whole other realm. And I've talked about this on the show before, too, where you kind of you start to think, okay, can they influence your thoughts, too? You know, like how far can they go and what are they? I mean, I almost I'm I'm under the, the, the thought process after doing the show and hearing all these stories that there's different types of spirits and certain ones can do certain things well yeah i mean apparitions are your classic ghost but then you've got poltergeists that can move things yeah but even there i think there's different types sure i think there's different types of poltergeists different types of apparitions but i think there's like different realms of you know levels or rankings if you will i mean i know there's a ranking system but i think there's different types that can if it can, can, can control your mind that really makes me that doesn't seem like something that necessarily the ghost of the husband's able to do. Well, maybe he didn't control her mind, but maybe he influenced something that gave her the idea, not necessarily in her head, though. He didn't actually say it. I see what you're saying. Okay. Let's go to uh, actually a letter here. This came to us uh, in response to something I was talking about the other week with um, people cleansing their homes. And uh, a common thing that, that people have been using is, is sage, and that's something that's been used for years to cleanse a home. And I always said... Sage, okay. I mean, to me, I think of stuffing when I hear sage, <laughs> and I, I'm wondering why is there not more citrus used when when people are cleansing homes? Because that citrus is a very happy smell. Oh, but it's not Mister Clean cleansing the home. But it's it's the 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 thought process is it's something that's happy, and people are thinking, oh, this will. That's what the original thought process is: is a pleasing smell, and sage is. Kind of, I guess. I guess historically a pleasing smell. Sure. It's what was used before deodorants and things of that nature. There's not a whole lot of sage speed stick out there today, but it's historically a pleasing smell. So that I think is how it kind of caught on. Well, I think people, yeah, like you said, with stuffing, they're going to think of Thanksgiving, and for most people, that's a happy thought. Sure, sure. But I'm thinking it probably goes back even further than Thanksgiving. Oh, you know? sure. So what uh, What somebody wrote in here, uh, actually, when you asked about oranges, I got to laugh. I tend to clean my home with orange oil because the house is from the 60s or 70s, so everything is wooden. I don't know if you know, but uh, God does uh, a good wood, but what? But God does wood absorb smells. Oh, there we go. I thought they were making a God reference there. But God does wood absorb smells, particularly oily cooking or smoke. And that orange is the only thing that gets rid of it. But the occult aspect of oranges is interesting. You will see them in Asian culture on altars to offer to gods or spirits. 
I am sure I've seen them used in India with the same applications. People tend to use oranges in spells and charms for love, luck, and other things. Considering that they draw love, I wouldn't pass up using a little orange oil. I know I have mentioned this before about positive feelings, love, etc., protecting against evil things. I think the freshness and the comforting smell of orange really couldn't hurt. Lavender is really good as well. Both are great for cleaning. Lavender is antibacterial, but also calming. It's no wonder ancient people also used it for purification, protection, peaceful sleep, and love. A lot of these herbs and flowers that are purifying have love in mind. I just think anything that really invites good things into your space is just helpful. I've never heard of oranges getting rid of unwanted spirits, though. There's plenty of great things to use it, so no biggie. I will say, though, that lemons should get an honorable mention because they are used in purification rites, and I've heard of people removing negative energies from old or secondhand jewelry with lemon. I should mention that people use it to polish silver sometimes because of its acidity and that belief. As for the talk about negative emotions attracting things, well, I think that sometimes it's the trials and tribulations of our lives, and in some cases, depression and mental illness. I think personally that sometimes spirits, especially negative ones, actually feed off and are attracted to the vulnerability that we have. Have you ever noticed that some of the ghost stories hauntings that you come across seem to coincide with family issues or some sort of emotional crisis? Not always, but a good chunk of them. I was thinking about that, especially in the case of The Conjuring. All of the trouble the family had gone through before moving to that house, it seemed like an invitation for something malicious to attach itself to the family, which is sad because they had moved for a more peaceful atmosphere. I think buildings and hauntings could be independent, but for something to really prey off a person, they usually have some sort of emotional bumps and bruises. I think this is especially true in cases of possession. While I am somewhat skeptical about possessions, I'm sure they're real cases of it, or at least people legitimately plagued by spirits, it's really sad because it's not really the person's fault they're being bothered by these things. I almost feel like the spirit that hurt people in these ways are ridiculously opportunistic in plaguing people. I'm still pretty convinced that resolving inner demons, inviting more positive energies into a space, and cleansing are our best protection against things like that. Even entities that are not particularly malicious seem to be drawn to people's emotional states. A few years before we lived in the current house, we rented a condo that used to be part of an old convalescent home. To the point, some of the hospital's fixtures, particularly the double doors, were still being used, so we had hospital-like hallways. While there was nothing really malicious about the place, it seemed to have a very lonely feeling to it. My brother's mother, who was going through her own sort of convalescence, seemed to get bothered a little by the spirit of an old woman that was hanging around there. And when a family friend was staying with us, every once in a while he'd get the impression someone was standing over him while he would be napping on the couch. While the spirit was not an evil one, it was really sad because she seemed to be lonely and have dementia. I tried to get her to move on, especially before we moved, because it's never good when a spirit is stuck like that. They can turn malicious later, but generally it's just sad to see that. I didn't have good results, though. She's likely still there. I think she really was attached to my boyfriend's mother out of kinship. It's hard not to em emphasize with, uh, with people in similar places. I almost wonder if maybe... She was drawn to her because of the health issues and the emotions that accompany that. Food for thought, huh? I know it can be rather, rather long-winded. Randy. Thank you, Randy, for the letter. Very interesting. Thoughts? A lot of good points there. And this is actually, because we, we, we're talking about this on, on another podcast, and we can talk about the other podcast uh, a little bit later on. Sure. But we're talking about... Um, mental illness, if you will, on right. another podcast. And we were talking about... Uh, I was comparing uh, mental illness, um, making an analogy, not saying that mentally ill people are possessed, but it almost can can feel like that. Yes. Where it, it feels like you're taking on... Or, or out of control sometimes, and like there's something else controlling you, when really, I mean, that is mental illness, that is a chemical imbalance, that's... No way am I saying that that is a demonic force taking over you. But it is an interesting point about if, if these forces are out there, and they can come at you and attach themselves to you, I guess it does make sense that they would be an attractive individual for them to go after would be someone that is 
depressed or sad or, you know, not in a good state. I think it has something to do with the energy the the individuals giving off or not giving off sure. and maybe that's how they can hone in on and and choose certain people to you know to contact or i guess for lack of a better term sure um I have a quick story, but when Go ahead. I, I was going through a very trying time um in my late teens, my father was in the hospital um actually the night he was in the ho- that he went to the hospital. I was having trouble sleeping, but when I eventually went to sleep, my uh, dream that I had was my great-grandmother, his grandmother, contacted me and said, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. And, you know, I woke up, and of course, like I said, I, I can't tell when I'm dreaming or I'm not, but I did feel more at peace because of that. And, you know, I, I like to think maybe she did try and contact me in my dream. Was she a peaceful woman in life? Yes, very much so. She okay. was probably the best person in the family. So it was it was in character for her to very much to so, do that. very much so. She took care of everybody. Okay, that's interesting. So do you to this day do you do you have a a belief one way or the other about what that? I do because the rest of the story is because of his stay in the hospital and the subsequent help that we got for him, um, we ended up meeting a lady who was pretty close to age of my great-grandmother, maybe slightly younger. Mm -hmm. And through, you know, knowing this woman for years, we eventually found out that she was very close friends with my great-grandmother. It was almost like we were meant to meet. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting and in how that all connects. And sometimes you don't realize it till months, weeks, years, years later. You know, that's that's really interesting. We got another caller. Let's go to if you have a real ghost story you want to share it with us, give us a call. We have an 800 number. If you'd like to uh, give us a buzz on that, you can call it uh, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. Let's go do the other phone call. Hi, you're on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, Tony. Um, my ghost story started February 2014. My mother-in-law was living with us for a while. We did a hard time, uh, my fiancé and I. She moved out to an apartment in not so nice um, place in town. Um, a lot of gang activity, a lot of robberies, a lot of murders, stuff like that. But it's the only thing she could afford at the time, so... First time we went over for dinner, it was nice dinner. Um, first time I stepped in was I noticed presents, and so when I went to talk to her about it, I uh, didn't want to scare his little sister, so I pulled her aside and told her what I felt and how I felt the presence there, and she said sure to knew. She went on to tell me that uh, the night that she was there, um, the night before, we came over to dinner, uh, let's see, like the third night she was in. So the first night she saw a black shadow of her bed, and she said it was about 5 um, thunder, and it was a full black shadow. And she said it didn't move, it just stood there. And she didn't feel scared, she didn't feel anything like that. She put her head down to go back to sleep, and in the morning, nothing was there. So, uh, you know, it's kind of reassuring to know that I wasn't going crazy, but it's still kind of scary. Every time I go over there now, I still feel it, and I, to this day, refuse to spend the night. So... Um, that's my ghost story, and she hasn't told me anything else since then, but, you know, kind of want to see what's going on with that. I haven't looked into history, but definitely curious about it. So, all right, love your show. Thank you. All right, thank you for that call. Whenever you hear the the story of the black shadow, that's that to me is one where I... It's probably nothing welcoming. No, it sounds very ominous, the shadow people. And and there's there's so many various forms of the shadow people story where there's either they are literally shadows on the wall or they're entities almost moving through in in, in like three dimension fashion like a literally an entity but it's in a shadow figure and you can't see through it but they're never that good they're they're never like oh it's the friendly shadow that's calming you down or or tucking the children in or anything it's it's always something very very dark you know, I, I never really know what to, what to make of them. And honestly, what's really mysterious about a lot of the shadow things is a lot of the stories of the shadow people, they don't do a whole hell of a lot. 
No. The, the shadow people stories, they're not poltergeists. They're not moving stuff around. They're not necessarily, you know, harming anyone or knocking things over or, or really harming anyone other than just existing and being this dark figure. I think that's almost like what makes it more spooky than some of the other stories that we get of, of other entities that are truly, you can tell, demonic and evil. The shadow people are just dark and there, and you don't know what or why. Right. And, and you know, I think of when you, like, you touched on the happy spirits or, you know, mm-hmm. you feel like it's got a happy present. Most of the time when people talk about those, aren't they lighter in color when they see those? Yeah, it's you. It, it's lighter in color or not seen at all. Okay. I mean, and that's the thing. Um, a lot of times, most of the happy spirit stories that we get tend to be uh, either of a child, an adult who is recalling an instance as a child seeing something, and that would be a lighter person or just a normal looking person uh, and and recalling it because they didn't know it was a ghost and parents were like there's nobody really there or it's the parent telling the story of their child that is clearly seeing something um and it's a a positive calming type force in in most cases yeah but it's not the dark evil entity so, and that's where you, you know, it gets, I get more and more confused every time I do the show because you start thinking, well, there's this type, there's that type, there's the other type. What are they all, and where are they all from, and, and what are what's their purpose here? You know? We got another uh, ghost story that was written, and if you have a real ghost story, please write it into us. Go to Real Ghost Stories Online, uh, click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button, and uh, we'll probably rate it on a future episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Remember to click that subscribe button as well so you don't miss any future episodes. This story comes to us from Melissa. Melissa writes in, When I was about five years old, I lived in Florida with my mom and her boyfriend. My bedroom was right off the living room. When I went to bed, they always left the door slightly open. On numerous occasions, soon after going to bed, something would come up from the bottom on the bed on top of the covers with a slapping motion. I would start screaming, and my mom, who thought I just didn't want to go to bed, would usually give me a spanking. A few times I saw what appeared to be my mom, but she was only the size of a child standing in my room. She looked just like she did, only smaller. I didn't understand it because I could also see through the crack of the floor, and my mom was clearly sitting on the couch watching TV. So there was my mother on the couch, and a much smaller version of my mother standing in my room, doing nothing. She never moved. She just stood there. I never felt scared seeing this, but I didn't feel comfortable, so I would close my eyes until she went away. Another time in the same house, I was in bed with my back against the wall. I was tickled by something, so I turned back to see what it was. There was a shadow of what people believed the devil to look like on the wall. When I looked at it, he grinned. I hid under the cover. The devil tickler never happened again. The little version of my mother happened often, and the thing that would come up from the bottom of my bed on my bed, slapping it, happened so often. I remember being so mad that I got spanked. It wasn't fair because I was being tormented and then getting in trouble for it. It feels weird even telling the story. My adult mind says there's a logical explanation for all this, but I know for a fact that I was not asleep and these things did happen. My mother passed when I was 17. Years later, when my daughter was four, I showed her a picture of where my mom was, one of three people in the photo. My daughter pointed at my mom and said, that's the lady who comes in my room at night. I tried so hard to figure out when or how often, but she never opened up about it after the first statement. It was still pretty neat to know that maybe my mom was looking out for her. I've never experienced anything since I was so small, so I assume whenever it was, connected to that house there you go I don't even know what to say about that remember my first reaction was uh, carbon uh, is it monoxide or dioxide carbon monoxide I believe because there's a lot of hauntings I think that can be explained by that Yeah. where it's literally you know your brain tripping out and, and I go there I don't go there with, with a lot of them but, but some I do where it's that almost sounded like a drug like someone who was on a drug seeing a tiny version of the sure. mom walking around. That's an interesting thing. But that almost sounds like your brain is acting up and you're seeing things like she's on mushrooms at the age of four. But I suppose it could be something that would happen if you're 
being poisoned by a small leak in your home of carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, whatever it is. It's it's monoxide. Monoxide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the devil smiling at you that's on the wall. Okay, it's just, you know... It's a it's a figure that you already have conjured in your mind. You know what the devil looks like, sure. or the you know the commercialized version of the devil. So I guess you could easily project that. It's not like some weird entity you've never seen that's popping out that looks evil. It's you're projecting these things. But the interesting thing that made me kind of step back on that one is the end, where the the daughter is seeing this woman, the mom. Yeah. Co- I think maybe both is going on. I mean, I fully believe that when she was little, she saw something yeah. and shouldn't have been spanked for it. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know what I would have done either. But well, you, as a parent, you're not, oh, of course it's a ghost. Right. Yeah. Right. I believe you. That sounds totally legitimate. You know, you're never going to you know say that. But but at the same time, with, with the daughter seeing the the mom figure. I mean, it'd be interesting if she was able to ask the daughter if, if it was the mini version. That's what I was wondering. Or the big version. Right. I mean, I can see the face matching. Okay, it's a face. But if it's the mini version, because did they say, are they still in the same house? I, she said she felt like it was attached to that house and she hasn't experienced anything okay. since. So that makes me think maybe she's not in that house okay. any longer. That's interesting. Thanks for that story. If you have a real ghost story, write into us. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com is the website. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button, and we will get it on the air on a future episode, or you can always call in your ghost story. Toll free, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Got about two minutes on there to leave your ghost story, so try and uh, be uh, uh, prompt with it. Was prompt the right word? Be be brief, but sure. get to the point. That, that should be... <laughs> Uh, uh, how I, I express that. Or if you want, you can just call it back like 10 more times and, and leave your extended story, and we'll just clip it all together. But uh, we would love to hear uh, your ghost story. Next one comes to us from Christine. Christine writes in, This experience occurred between the ages of 5 and 7. My sister would have been between the ages of 10 and 12. She and I used to spend many fun times together playing in her room. Often, I would join her at night in sleeping in her double bed, very spacious for two small children. It was never discussed, but she and I always used to sleep back to back in the bed, or at least these were the positions that we would begin sleeping in at night. We both knew that scary things occurred in our house all the time, so we were covering each other's backs literally. This resulted in my sister facing a wall and me facing the door, since we both had a preference for a specific side of the bed. On the night of this experience, I do not recall if it had happened when I was trying to fall asleep or if I'd been woken from the sleep. What I saw was no more than six feet in front of me at the door. It first began with a curious little face peering around the right side of the doorway. The face was only about three feet off the ground. Suddenly body attached to the face and came into full view. Centered in the doorway just under the threshold stood what some might consider a dwarf or gnome. For a very close resemblance to both creatures, but in the end, I suppose, I'll never be sure. In any case, this was no wispy apparition. It was as solid as I was. It wore dark-colored short pants or breeches with little buttons and the light-colored shirt. It had little hoof feet. That's not a good sign. With a small, jaunty hat on its head. Its face and ears were gnarled, thick and wrinkled, and it bore a mischievous expression with its little mouth and a broad smile. It did not seem to be aware of me, and it never looked directly towards me. Instead, it was interested with a particular corner of the room beyond the bed. It seemed genuinely amused by something, but... Oddly, it seemed to not want to pass beyond the door's threshold. At this point, I blocked most of my face with a blanket, but I was so curious that my eyes continued to peer out to see more. This little creature continued to mill about the hallway, occasionally looking into the room. Then I started to see more of its kind walking up and down the hall. Each was uniquely dressed. At this point... I can estimate that there were at least three or four in the hallway lingering near the door. I could distinctly hear the creatures making noises. These sounds were a combination of 
stifled high-pitched giggles and whispering with additional snapping and clicking noises, like some sort of strange language. It was a very unique sound, and whatever they were conversating about seemed very interesting and funny to them. They did not seem overtly evil, but they seemed potentially troublesome, so I made sure not to make any quick moves so they would not notice me observing them. Soon, they disappeared from the door area, as did their strange noises. The experience in total may have lasted only a few minutes, but the impression they left to me was lasting. I never spoke to anyone about these creatures until some ten years later. So all those years later during the summer night, my immediate family and I were enjoying a pleasant time around a campfire. Sometime during the marshmallows, we started to talk about our experiences in that house. We had many to share, and each of, us t- each of us took turns going over their experiences. This was the first time that we had compared notes. Though the subject of the supernatural was never taboo, we really hadn't discussed the topic up to that point. When it was my turn to talk about things I had seen, heard, and felt, I eventually got around to the little men in the hall. My sister looked at me stiffly the whole time I explained myself, which I thought was odd. She stopped me very abruptly when I began to vocally copy the noises they had made. She clearly was in shock. She had thought that she was the only one who had seen these little creatures and thought that it may have all been in her imagination. She became teary-eyed. Then she continued to describe her experiences with them. In the end, we agreed that we had seen the same thing. However, she had seen them more often. And like me, she noticed that they never entered the room. They only peered in or milled around the hallway. I don't know what the... It's it's interesting when we when I do the show. It's uh, funny how sometimes the stories that we read almost have a theme to them. It's mm-hmm. almost like I pick these letters out in order, and I don't. Right. I literally, when I, I, I pick our letters, I just kind of go in order as they come in, and we have a backlog of letters to get to. But I just, I copy, I paste, and I just keep going, and I grab a couple per show. And more often times than not, I'm finding letters with a common theme in each episode. And it's interesting, this show has it going on right now with the little people that are, are showing up in, in these rooms. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I wonder, though, I don't I don't think these two girls were maybe doing having the carbon monoxide because they both saw the same thing. I think yeah. it would have been different hallucinations. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it, it would be a, the carbon monoxide there because they're both seeing the exact same things. But that's interesting. This is the first time I've, I've heard of... of the little people or the trolls, if you yeah. will. So you can't piss on hospitality. No, I won't allow it. There's <laughs> about four people who just got that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> if you did get it right in. Um, but seriously, I mean, that that's 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 interesting. And anytime there's hooved anything <laughs> involved, that's where you kind of go. Yeah, that's probably nothing to really mess around with. Well, we're uh, we're at uh, normally our show lasts about a half hour. But another letter, you want to do another letter? Sure. Okay, let's do another letter. Uh, this one comes to us from Christine. Christine writes in uh, seven years ago. I was in the process of packing for a move two days before the scheduled moving day. I was getting ready to go to bed. My husband was working late that night, and my dog was sleeping on the couch in the living room as he often did. All was quiet. After my my usual nighttime routine, I got into my bed, which was no longer in its frame, since it had been disassembled for the move. So, my bed was reduced to a mattress in a box spring on the bedroom floor. Got into my usual starting position and sleeping position, which is on my back. I started to relax and close my eyes in an effort to sleep. Soon, I became uh, and felt a presence enter the room through the bedroom door and go around to the bed over to where my husband's side was it definitely felt like a person had entered the room so I thought maybe I had fallen asleep and my husband had arrived home I opened my eyes fully expecting to see my husband in the room but he was not there I checked the time on the alarm clock which was on the table on my husband's side of the bed I could see that it had only been minutes since I had gotten to bed and I wasn't too surprised by this since I knew I had not fallen asleep since I still felt quite awake Thinking of how odd this was and mulling over the strange feeling I had, I slowly began to move my head back towards its original centered position. I stopped halfway through this motion because my eyes caught something forming in front of me. 
first I squinted and blinked my eyes because it was a very faded image. Very soon, however, it began to solidify more and more. I remained still and I watched intently as I soon realized that the image hovering approximately three feet above me was that of a young boy who was looking directly down at me. I moved my head up a little towards this boy and instinctively greeted him aloud with an inquisitive hello. This response seems a little silly to me now, but it was something I did automatically. I could now see that he looked like very clearly at this point. In fact, the light from the semi-open bedroom door was helpful in letting me see more of his form. I could clearly see he was a boy somewhere between the ages of 10 to 13. His reddish-blonde hair was in the style of what people might refer to as a bowl cut. His face was so close to me that I could see his pale skin, dark eyes, and striking freckles on the bridge of his button nose. His expression was flat and emotionless, so his lips were in a neutral position. He wore what resembled a green army surplus shirt and had two breast pockets that had one button on each and more green buttons which ran down the length of his shirt, or at least the part of the shirt I could see. After all, he had no lower torso that I could discern. In retrospect, he appeared to be in the style of someone from the 1970s or 1980s. I observed all this detail within seconds. Just after saying hello, he spoke to me. While his mouth never moved, I did receive a message. He simply said goodbye. There was a little bit of sadness in his message. Strangely, I sensed a familiarity with him, and that is probably why I was not frightened. Very soon after, I understood his message as he began to fade away. Then, within a few more seconds, he was gone. I was left in bed, staring into the semi-darkness, thinking about what I had just seen. Just then, it dawned on me, and I then suddenly knew who it was. I lived in that home for about 20 years, and while my family lived there, We'd experienced many supernatural occurrences of all kinds. However, there was one thing that used to be benevolent and helped me around the house. I will not go into what those specific things were in this submission, since that's a story all on its own for another time. However, I have been aware of some kind of friendly, helpful spirit in that house for many years that was specifically attached to me. I suddenly understood that this boy spirit saw that I was packing and he knew I was moving away, and he wanted to say goodbye, since my guess is he knew he could not come with me. This visit felt conclusive, like some kind of resolution. The goodbye he had given me had a definite sense of finality to it. Occasionally, I still think of his boy, and I always hope that he was able to find peace. Interesting. The ghost came to say goodbye. That's really kind of sweet. I I guess if you grow up with a ghost, I would want it to tell me goodbye, too. Especially if, if it's helping you around the house doing yeah. chores. I, I would love to hear the rest of that story, because she said there was more, more to that of the ghost essentially doing things and, and helping. Like, there was some sort of relationship there Yeah. with the ghost. That's interesting. It's like, mostly some some folks will make peace with whatever it is in the house, and I guess sometimes it can be helpful. Yeah, I've heard that before. I wonder if they ever pick up, like, you know, the toys of the children and vacuum and My mom dust. and dad, when they were newly married, they rented a very old duplex and there was a spirit there. And my mom swears that the spirit would open the cabinets where she needed to put the groceries away. She would turn around and the right cabinet would be open. Seriously? Seriously. I want that ghost. Yeah, no kidding. That's where you want to take the ghost with you. But he did not like my dad. He did bad things to my dad. Like what? Flushed his toothbrush in the middle of the night. Are you sure it was a spirit doing this? Yes. Well, I mean, I'm going by what my parents told me, so who knows? But you sure it was a little stumbling around? Or no. Apparently, there was a history of this spirit oh, in, really? in the duplex from the landlord. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So he liked the women. Yeah. And not the guys. Yeah. His name was Ferdinand. That's what we were told. Or that's what my parents told. Were where did told. they? Where did they get the name? Um. Well. I don't really know. The landlady knew that it was haunted, knew that the spirit had a name. Um, Apparently, it was a ghost of a Civil War soldier, and that the most strong presence was down in the cellar underneath the duplex. So not necessarily a previous resident. No, no. I think it was attached to the property, but not that specific building. But he he was stuck there. But he liked my mom, but he didn't really care for my dad. Because would have this been over an area where there... 
where there could have been battles and such? I don't know. I don't know, but I know that there were a whole lot of Civil War soldiers from this area who may have returned home. Oh, okay. No, there wasn't necessarily a lot of fighting here. Okay, just maybe came back and Mm -hmm. ended up passing and And coming back again. Helping with the groceries. Yeah. (laughs) This should be a whole, like, side business somewhere where somebody figures out a way to capture the ghost, the good ghost, and you can take them with you. A slave ghost? A slave ghost. A slave ghost business. I wonder how that would work. Ghost I, in a jar. A ghost in a jar. There you go. You know, there's there's so many, you know, just insane products on the market out there. I'm sure someone could market this, you know. If you can market things like like these here, down here. Look at this. This is a fun product that I have here. If you can market these these products that are called uh, magical wands, and this is like literally like a a rock. Yeah. With some sort of mineral that you supposedly rub on you. It's a cylinder of quartz, it looks like. Yeah. If if you can uh, if you can market that as having some sort of healing powers, you can market a ghost in a jar. <laughs> a ghost in a jar. <laughs> but if you call now, you'll get a second ghost in the jar absolutely free. You just pay shipping and handling. Yes, no, processing. Oh, that's right. They don't the, the government doesn't like shipping and handling. They got to say processing. Okay. Because cuz shipping and handling it's always like really funny where you say especially for small items where it's like cuz you can ship they have the flat rate shipping, you know, with the United States Post it's like 5 bucks you can get a lot, get a lot in that box. But shipping and handling magically uh, with a lot of things, it's like fourteen ninety nine shipping and handling. You can get it for five bucks, really. So that's why you say processing instead of shipping and handling, because in reality, the company's making more money off of you through processing. It's not shipping and handling. Okay, well, there's a little bit of marketing lesson coming in there today for Ghost in a Jar. Ghost in a Jar. Can, I would charge a lot for shipping and handling. That's almost I dream a genie. I wonder if that's if you were to ship the ghost in the jar. You know, if if, if you're shipping alcohol, you need to like label this. Like, must be 21 or older alcohol. Do you have to, like, what do you have to label warning spirits being transported in these, you know, some sort of... And you have to sign for it upon delivery. Be 21 or older. That's right. I could see that. Ghost in a jar. Another ghost story? Sure. Okay. I have another here. This is from Christine. Christine writes in, "Uh, I have seen, heard, and felt spirits and energies all my life. I have been automatic writing for over 10 years and in fact I began recording EVPs in my home last year to great success. The majority of what has happened has been positive or not all that frightening. However, I'd like to share a particular childhood experience that was exceptional and one that I feel solidly my belief in the supernatural or solidified my belief in the supernatural and caused me to search for answers in my adulthood. But before, a little background. I lived and still live in a town in Quebec, which is nearest to the bordering Canadian city of Ottawa, Ontario. The house I lived in while growing up until the age of seven was quite new at the time. My parents purchased it. In fact, it was part of a subdivision built in the early to mid-1970s. I've never been able to find evidence of what might have been located on this land prior to this, although ultimately this may not be of any importance. From what I can tell, it was simply a mix of field and swampland. My family moved into the house a few years before I was born. During these preceding years, approximately three, it was quiet and uneventful. That is, until I was brought home a week after I was born. Then my mother tells me things began shortly thereafter. These things included a myriad of occurrences such as objects being thrown or moved independently, doors and drawers being banged upon and shut, strange voices, partial and full-body apparitions, and non-human entities, along with the always dreadful feeling of being observed when seemingly alone. All my immediate family and some extended family and friends experienced things both alone and or with people present. The place definitely fit the traditional definition of a haunted house, that's for certain. Now on to the experience I want to share. I was approximately six years old and I recall the event very clearly to this day since it has left such an incredible mark on me. The neighborhood I lived in at the time was very family friendly. My parents would have barbecues and backyard get-togethers all the time with the other neighborhood parents and their families. So on one very warm summer night, my parents... My sister and I were over at my neighbor's house across the street at one of these aforementioned get-togethers. 
Later that evening, while I was playing with the other neighborhood children, I realized I really wanted a popsicle. I asked my friend if she had Annie at her house. She responded that she did not. So knowing that they were stuck back at my place, I asked my mother if I could go on and get one. She said yes. We did not often lock our doors at this time in our neighborhood, so I simply entered my house. It was completely dark. There were no lights on inside of the house, and I did not need much light coming in from the outside. I was immediately spooked since I had experienced various supernatural goings-ons before this, and I hated being by myself in this house because of this. I recall hesitating on the landing. From here, I could either go downstairs to the lower floor, which was very dark and the epicenter of supernatural activities, and also where the bathroom and bedrooms were. Or I could go upstairs to the upper floor where I could get my popsicle in the kitchen and quickly get out. But at that moment, my little child mind realized I really had to urinate, and I did not think I could hold it much longer. So I first went upstairs to get the popsicle. Can you believe it? I even remembered that it was purple, grape-flavored, my favorite. And I placed a popsicle on one of the stairs for a quick pickup later. After this, I made my way to the main landing again. You see, the only bathroom in our house was downstairs at the very end of the hallway. For a six-year-old, this hallway seemed longer, especially when one was traveling down it at the state of absolute fright. So I quickly made it down the dark staircase and walked swiftly past the three bedroom doors which lined the hall. Many of the haunting activities happened in these rooms, so I did not dare look inside. I made it to the bathroom at the end of the hallway and turned on the light and quickly shut the door. I now felt a little more comfortable. After getting my business done, I stopped at the closet bathroom door. I realized with horror that I would have to once again cross the hallway with no light. You see, my mother forbade any of us to leave my lights on in the house when not in use since she was very energy conscious. Not wanting to anger my mother, I knew the light would have to go off and I would be in almost pitch darkness on the way back to the staircase. This is when I started to feel pressure building in the air. I'm not sure if it was just my nerves, though, when I look back on it. In any case, this time I found that I could not walk fast, even though I wanted to. My legs felt heavy. I kept telling myself not to look into the bedrooms and to keep my head straight. I succeeded in passing my sister's room without looking. Next, I walked to where my room and my parents' room's doorways faced one another. I ignored my room, but I suddenly felt drawn to my parents' room. Also ignoring my own rule of not looking, I turned towards my parents' bedroom door and moved closer to just under the doorframe. That's where I stopped and froze. The sight I saw confused me, and I tried hard to understand what I was seeing. My parents' room was on the ground floor, so the bedroom window was naturally ground level as well, and it was fairly long and wide. Glaring at me through the window was something I can only describe as a bull, but with a difference. It had human facial features. It had furrowed muscular Its face had a twisted scowl. Its body was ripping with black muscle. It was entirely black, but had an unusual shine to it. It had long, curved horns, which had a strange glow reflecting off of them. Around this thing was a fiery, fiery glow, and I know this creature meant me harm. However, I continued to stand at the door frozen and transfixed. It kept scowling at me with an intelligence not found in any animal. I started to fixate on its eyes, which were pitch black, except that, just like the horns, they had glints of orange-yellow light. My mind stopped thinking. This creature was crouching and lowering its head as real bulls do when they're about to charge. It had hoof feet. I do not know how long we both stared at one another, but... I know I was moving towards its black eyes. I recall being only inches from its eyes. I continued to move closer to the being, and its features were becoming more and more detailed as I moved closer to it. It never made a sound, but its expression spoke for itself. Suddenly, over my left shoulder, I distinctively heard a woman's soft, soft yet authoritative voice call my name. This snapped me back to attention, and I was physically back under the door frame no longer close to the creature in the window. The voice immediately followed my name with the instruction, turn around and walk away. I listened to the voice. I turned and began moving up the stairs. When I reached the landing, I heard the woman say with the force, run and see your mother. And I did run. I did not tell my mother what had happened, however. I did not think 
thank anyone or think anyone would believe me. Over the years, I've tried to find others who may have seen something similar and have not shared this experience with more than a few in my life. Thank you for reading my story. What about the popsicle? It must have been one heck of a popsicle to go into that house for it. But they forgot the popsicle. Oh, yeah. Notice came out, never said what happened to the popsicle. No, I would have thought, I don't want to go over there. I'm just going to stick here, popsicle-less. Popsicle-less. Yes, without popsicle. Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. It's popsicle-less. That's interesting. I, I, and, and there you go. I mean, if you've not shared that story with anyone yet, I mean, if anyone else has a similar experience to that, please write in and we'll relay that message of uh, of of the similar nature. If someone has a, a similar story, you can just go to our website at Real Ghost Stories Online and click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story. Just mention this episode and, and that story. Again, that one sounds rather demonic and dark. You got the hoof things. That sounds like a minotaur, a half bull, half man. It does, yeah. Mythical creature. And don't those kind of surround a lot of demonic type I, stories? And I don't really sayings. know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking back to, um, you know, some of the old paintings and such, you know, that you have that, that depict good and evil. And a lot of times evil is depicted with a minotaur or something of right. that nature. So I'm thinking it almost kind of you know, uh, coincides. I, I don't know too many good things that have horns with the exception of maybe a unicorn. Or hooves. Right. You know, oh, horses, you know, but it wasn't exactly, you know. What's what's the children's movie with the horse that everybody loves? Which one? Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, well, not that old. Little girls uh, loved it. There was a horse running around. I don't know. I they, should know these things. There's like one every year. Every time you, you go to Netflix, there's like ten horse movies. Like, oh, we can watch the horsey movie. Yes, that would be great. I've been waiting to do that all day, honey. <laughs> horsey movie. And every time you bring it up, horsey. So, but you never see them like getting excited about the Minotaur movies. No. You know, it's like, Minotaur. Let's watch the Minotaur movies. No. <laughs> one day, one day she will. I'll be very proud. I could see that. <laughs> I could see Little Butt liking that. There you go. If you have a real ghost story, write into us. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com is a website. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. Please subscribe and uh, share the show wherever you're watching us. Uh, click the subscribe button. And do tell a friend about the show. That's how we grow. It's how we get more ghost stories to share with you every single week here on Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you for uh, joining us. Do you want to come back again more often? Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. I enjoy being able to banter with another human being. I'm thoroughly freaked out. Rather than just myself. So there you go. And people are going to want you back because this gave the show almost an hour length. Oh. And that's what we hear a lot online is like, make the show longer, make the show longer. So it's my fault. It is your fault, but okay. they'll be happy about that. So. <laughs> okay. Here you go. From realghoststoriesonline.com, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening. <laughs>